G'day, good evening, good morning, wherever you are, welcome to the new Spear Podcast. You are in exactly the right place if you want to improve your spearfishing. Just catch up on some stoke, listen into experienced voices from Spearos from all over the world. You're in the right place today. Simon Tripp, a repeat guest. You can listen to him all the way back in the, our very first episode. Simon joined us. Um, he's one of the most experienced and enthusiastic voices in spearfishing culture in Australia. It's really great to reconnect with him. Um, we message every now and then, so it was really good to catch up with him on this episode and talk all about uh, what happened with the Hawkesbury Marine Park plans um, down south and uh, get some facts behind it, sort of his opinion about it and um, really find out sort of what happened with it. Basically, um, they were planning to create all of these marine parks that would essentially shut down 50 to 80% of all of the sort of the, the prime spearfishing uh, locations for learners, particularly uh, in the New South Wales area. And Spiro's banded together and played a part in um, chucking that legislation out, which is which is really good and, and actually a really positive thing for recreational um, spearfishers. One of the main reasons for me is the fact that, you know, 25 kilos of seafood per person is eaten uh, by, by one... <laughs> let me start that again. 25 kgs of seafood is eaten by every Australian every year and 70% of this food is imported and a lot of the, the stuff that's imported is from unregulated uh, fisheries around the world so you know just encouraging recreational fishing and, and getting young kids connected with their environment and catching their own food is a, is a huge part of what we do in this sport you know we, we're quite happy to you know, go from preparing all our own equipment, shooting our own fish, um, gutting and filleting, preparing that fish and cooking it for yourself. There's a real pleasure in, in reconnecting with our natural environment. And so I think this is an issue that should be close to every sparrow's heart. I mean, we're not against the idea of marine parks in general, but just where science backs. And so really good to get some uh, more information from Simon about that today. Now, I'd also encourage you, if you're in the Sydney area, to join the San Susi Dolphins. Uh, Simon's been an active part of that club down there for a long time. And uh, if you want to find out more about it, go to Noob Spiro's homepage. Up in the right in the menu is the Club Connections page. And there's a whole list of spearfishing clubs in Australia, New Zealand, uh, America. We haven't got any from the boys over in South Africa. So, look, if you go there and your club's not listed as well, I'd love it if you email me, Shrek at Noob Spiro, with your club's details. You'll see what I, what, what information I need there to um, to put in that menu. But, yeah, anyway, um, San Susi Dolphins in Sydney, if you want to connect with um, Simon. But the other thing we discussed today is just um, some general tips and info for getting started spearfishing in Sydney and we just have a good yarn so um, I really want to hope you enjoy today's show. Before we get there as usual a couple of quick shout outs I had uh, Teague. I'm amazed by um, sometimes by the way the quality of um, of people that uh, bloody listen to the New Spirit podcast. Uh, I feel very uh, honoured I guess to be able to you know connect and bring this show to a whole bunch of people talented clever people that listen to the show all over the world so it's really cool but Teague reached out I um about how to kill a fish um you know uh i'll, I'll just read it it says um the freshwater spearfishing in vermont where they've just legalized spearfishing it says podcast has been super helpful even though it's geared more towards salt water um i'm curious about killing fish in the water after really bungling it up with a freshwater drum i'm putting away the spear until i can figure out how to kill them more humanely while out in the water any tips or links to an older podcast would be great. 
So I sent a couple of links for this, which is, is a great question. If you go to noobspirit.com forward slash noobspirit, uh, I'll, I'll just go to the Caring for Your Catch Noobspirit podcast episode. It's a good one. Or um, if you can go into the blog, there's an icky jimmy, how to stone your fish. Um, basically, you know, killing that fish as soon as you can is not only humane, but it preserves a better eating quality of the fish as well. So I'd encourage you guys to go and check that out if you have any questions about that. Um, Mick wrote in, hey fellas, just wanted to say thanks for the great info on the episode so far. Haven't been spearing seriously for long, but have seen some massive improvements since listening to your podcast. Got my first decent Tusky and Mackie this week, and I don't think I would have landed them if I hadn't put that actionable advice into practice. Love that. Love that. That's a great adjective, actionable. I don't know who came up with that, but I'm happy to rip it off and butcher it over and over and over again. Uh, podcast reviews. Shrek and Turbo are hilarious to listen to and bring guests on who always provide great information and stories. That's from Jay Pedersen. Thanks, mate. Um, Cheers, guys. Love the show. Just purchased the audio book. Also getting me excited for a six-week Ningaloo trip for a month. Would love to hear a few more interviews from guys up around the Exmouth area. Keep up the good work. Froth on. Sam. So um, cheers for that, mate. There's a cracker interview. I have actually got someone lined up from your part of the world. It's just a matter of getting our times and everything right. So, And uh, sorry about the relatively poor frequency of episodes coming out recently. But anyway, I'll blather on far more than enough let's hook into this yarn with simon trip enjoy adreno spearfishing are today's proud sponsor of the noob Spiro podcast they stock a huge range of equipment that you can find in brisbane sydney melbourne and now perth that's right spearfishing.com.au have got a huge range of gear i encourage you to get along use the code noob Spiro, n-o-o-b S-P-E-A-R-O and save yourself $20 on every purchase over $200 when you shop online. G'day Noob Sparrow community. Today I'm joined by the illustrious Simon Tripp. He was the first ever episode of the Noob Sparrow podcast. He's still he's still actually one of the most popular episodes too. Um, you've had way over 5,000 downloads, Simon. Um, a hugely popular Whoa. guest. <laughs> so welcome back. Thanks, Shrek. Mate, 5,000. Wow, that's a bestseller in uh, novel standards. I'm impressed. <laughs> I don't normally talk stats and numbers on the show. I think we've had like um, 400,000 downloads of the show total or something. Not bad after 100, 108 episodes. You're in the top sort of 10, I think, in terms of downloads. But anyway, bit of a shine on yeah, for cool. you. So, man, it was like four years ago we had you on the show. So catch us up a little bit about you know, what you've been up to. I know you got out the Coral Sea um, earlier this year and you've been doing all sorts of things, running courses. And so just catch us up on sort of what, what you've been up to. Yeah, cool. Well, Coral Sea, um, I've had two trips out there. I did one in 2016 and one late 2018. And you couldn't get two more different trips. Um, the first one was just sensational. Great bunch of guys, as they always are, and 20-odd blokes. And, mate, I think we got 60-something dogtooth in the boat. The average weight was 28 kilos. I keep these stats, by the way. Um, I love them. <laughs> and uh, the biggest fish was 77 kilo, which was awesome. Um, and, uh, a mate of mine, Evan Leeson, got that, and it was a, a stunning fish. And uh, considering we had ordinary, very ordinary conditions to the last three days of the, uh, the trip, 
Um, the fish were really good. They really came on. They were already there during the rough stuff, but um, when it flattened out, we had visibility oh, over 60 metres, close to 70 metres on the last couple of days. It was just sublime. Yeah, the fish was on. And then the next trip, I went out, and as I was saying to you earlier, I, I chose a moon as close to the new moon as I could get the charter to go, and we went out to uh, Frederick Reef and went out there, and I hadn't dived Frederick in some years. I think it was 11 years since I last went to Frederick, and I was expecting it to be sensational, and I had a really good team of guys, top blokes again, and just, yeah, just in a fire. The first day we got out to the pass where I wanted to go, it was uh, sensational, and then it just um, just withered away. Yeah, it's just how it goes, the luck. Um, the guys fished really hard, tried really hard, but it, it was a... Um, yeah, I think I've been out there probably 14 times now, trips out, out there, and it was definitely in the, the bottom rung of trips, um, but still an experience, um, still, you know, to walk away from and you learn things. And, uh, yeah, you know, the blokes that were new to it out there, they, they still had a ball. Uh, they didn't know any better, basically. They thought it was awesome. Yeah, right. So those guys have sort of, um, they've got a low bar, so the next time they go out, if it's a better trip, they'll have a, yeah, have a yeah. ball, I'm sure. You said you'd, you'd take a great bunch of blokes out there. I'm taking it, um, you, you take a lot of Queenslanders and Kiwis, Kiwis out there. Mate, I do have stipulations, mate, on that. Um, so, mate, no Kiwis on this trip, unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, no, mate, I had boys from oh, WA, right. South Australia, um, had a Queenslander. And a few Sydney lads. Um, yeah, no, it was a good, good mixed bunch. It was great. And I, I had a crazy Greek as well. It was so, uh, fantastic fun. And a Spaniard. And the Spaniard was great fun too. So, yeah, it was great. So after 16 trips up there, clearly you've, you've learned some lessons. Um, and you tried to time it around this new moon. Um, what, what, what's some of your advice for guys planning trips up there? And what charters do you like? I think it's – there's, you know, there's boys up there now to Queensland who, who – specialise in spearfishing um, and they advertise themselves quite well and, and they do it well. Um, I've just been using a guy out of Gladstone who I've used for years and years. In fact, my very first trip in the 90s, the decky on the boat then is the skipper of the boat I use now, um, Danny. So um, it's fantastic how that's gone along. So those boys know exactly what we want, what we require, and they've got their best interests well, our best interests at heart, I should say, of trying to get us onto fish. They know they know what we're after. Yeah. And look, they also, you know, there's house rules cool, and everything cool. that you that you abide by. And, and you've, I think, if you're going on a trip for the first time, you need to know yourself what you're getting in for. And just, I suppose, Robert Ruark, the great game hunter, said it very well: use enough gun. Just don't go in there undergunned. Take your gun that you always yep. use that you use every day that you're familiar with, you know, your 1.1 or your 1.2, definitely take that because you'll have a ball on the reef and the shallow bombies and everything, um, getting reefies and that type of stuff. But you've got to have a decent gun to give yourself a chance for, you know, the fish of a lifetime that comes along. So uh, you spend a lot of money on the trip. And the same goes for all the overseas trips you can do as well. So you're spending all that money, you put in all the effort to work out the logistics, take something that's going to shoot straight. You've used it you know, 50 times before you've gone out on the trip. So you don't miss when you get that shot, that opportunity. And uh, yeah, just, you know, have something that's double inverted roll it or, you know, full rubbered um, that's going to do the job. 
and and push the spear through yeah, the yeah. thick fish of a you know eighty kilo tuna. So. That's okay, cool, want. good stuff. Um, I was just going to say, guys on a budget, like um, obviously you're working in teams when you're doing the blue water stuff particularly, um, like in terms of, you know, guys have different roles to play. Do you reckon, can two guys kind of share like a big blue water gun that, you know, because it's a lot of cost to potentially outlay, a lot of those things cost over $1,000 and oh, so mate, on. Huge call. Mate, one of the boys on the boat had a um, had an Alemani and a Blue Tech, and I think those guns were $4,000, $4,500 each. Um, phenomenal money, yeah. Oh, sexy pieces of kit too. Like you, you just hold them and touch them, and you and you're sweating <laughs> um, with desire. They're fantastic. They're awesome bits of kit. But mate, it's funny you say that. It's very true, and blokes do do that. I had two Novocastrians on the boat, and they shared a big gun between them, um, and they did it well. It was the guy made a homemade inverted roller. That was like 1.6. It was ridiculous. Holy shit! Um, the amount of yeah, the amount of work you put into it. But yeah, they shared that gun. They had a bit of luck with it. Oh, good. Um, and they they did it well. And the the other gun that they used, I think, it was just the big um, 1.4 Rob Allen. And they just worked out. Yeah, we'll just rotate the roster with it. And they did it well. There was no issues there at all. It worked well. So yeah, it can be done. Okay, so like um like with dog tooth, like you you might find like two converging current lines or a big bit of upwelling coming over the front of a reef. I'm not sure really. I've never gone dog tooth tuna hunting, so I'm just chucking it out there. But basically you, you find the drift, you you get in. Are you in a team of two or three or how, how does it work from there? Look, it depends on the size of the dory and, and what the skipper has or what, what the bloke he's organised, the charter is organised. And The trips I'm on are um, they're four, four blokes to a dory normally. Yep. Um, and one bloke driving all the time, so there's three in the water. We kind of got one guy with a big gun, definitely. Um, another guy, if he wants to, with the big gun or a smaller gun, and he's uh, often on the flasher duty, so he might have a flasher that he's working. Yep. Um, and then we've got another guy in the water with another flasher and uh, burley. Okay. Quite often we're we're using burley as well. So just. And then even the decky doesn't stop, mate, with pilchards and things like that, muleys, throwing them in the water or fish frames as well. So the decky's working overtime. He's the hardest working yeah. one Righto. in the crew who's ever cool. driving the boat. Yeah, that's, that's sort of um, how we like to work it. Flashes at different heights. But you're, um, you had Jaeger on from Fiji on very early in the piece. I think he was one of your early ones, and he couldn't have said enough good stuff about doggies. So if people are interested in that, it's definitely worth following. Yeah, cool, His cool. His words of wisdom cool. up, I agreed with him wholeheartedly back then. Yeah, cool. Um, just for you, like just quickly, um, and I want to move on, but um, what about diver spacing? Do you sort of triangulate? And then um, how much distance do you have between divers and stuff? Mate, the killing triangle. Yeah, I like a triangle. Um, yeah. It's funny you say triangle, yeah. So I always sort of say we've got to get that that sort of triangle shape happening. That's that's how I think works best. That way, if a fish swims in and even surprises you and comes into the into that box, it gives opportunity for um, a couple of blokes to get on and do it, you know, to get the shot. So the fish that swims into your zone won't swim out of it without a spear in it. So <laughs> it, it, it normally works well that way. Look, you've got to um, work things out so there's no confusion, so you're not looking at each other, you know, your turn, your turn. So that's all sorted and once you sort of you know i think if you're new to it you'll work it out the first couple of days if you swear words and obscenity shouted at each other in good fun <laughs> but um you eventually get to read each other 
one trip we had a oh, a big wahoo swim and i was guiding on that trip the last couple of trips i haven't guided i've just organized the, the boat and you know people come on as a cooperative type thing but um yep. i was guiding a trip so i had guys in the triangle and a big wahoo just cruised up and i'm just waiting for i'm counting down the seconds for a spear to go into the into its shoulder and then i've turned around going what are you blokes doing they're going, can we shoot that? I'm like, oh, <laughs> unreal. Anyway, mate, West yeah. Australian boy and a New Zealander, what else would you expect? Oh, no. So, yeah, yeah. My, my Kiwi bro <laughs> let me down. Yeah, oh, mate, it was funny as big blue cobalt thing. Normally we've got big buck fever. We're, we're super excited. Like coming from New Zealand, you know, like we, we do see big kingies and that, but pelagic sets my heart racing. Like, you know, I've been sparing for, you know, a few years now, and, man, I, I still – well, like I get excited like a big kid in a in a candy shop, you know. Like um, I love seeing pelagics. Um, I haven't I haven't um, seen uh, dogtooth at all in the water. So hopefully later on this year, if I'm lucky. Oh, I hope you do see them, mate. They're alluring. That white dot appears, and just how they wriggle and or how they drift in. They're just a you know they soar with their their pectoral fins out. They're just a fantastic fish. They're my favourite fish. They're just fantastic. Hey, I, I wanted to get you in on this episode, particularly to chat about a couple of things that have kind of happened um, over the you know the last few years. Obviously, we've had the big marine parks issue, uh, particularly in your part of the world. And I wanted to get some information just for guys in that starting out, particularly in the Sydney area. Um, but let's start with the marine parks sort of issue. Um, can you can you sort of summarise um, what's happened just for people that are sort of unfamiliar with? Um, with the whole situation? Uh, the Hawkesbury bioregion. Mate, yeah. look, that was a, a shambles. Um, if we are to believe our beloved politicians, the government in power, the Liberals, they didn't even know it was coming out oh, until wow. the day it was announced. So they were backpedalling from the start. And look, to be fair, the fisheries minister, when he was interviewed, was talking about seagrass. <laughs> he was totally out of his depth on that first day or two of interviewing. He must yeah. have been going, quick, give me the profile. Everyone's ringing me. The phone's <laughs> going off the hook. The media want me. <clears throat> I'm getting, you know, Stan Kay from the Wreck Fishing Association ripping my head off on messages. Show me. So some boffins just handed him seagrass paper. <laughs> and it, just, it was ridiculous. Um, so so yeah, just, but, just just to be clear, there's not, not much seagrass in your part of the world. Is that what I'm picking up? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was very funny, mate. It's look. Apparently, Labor, the Labor government, endorsed this and advocated it. Oh, it would be 12 years ago now. I think it was 11 years ago last year. So the wheels were put in motion, and once they're in motion, they can't be stopped. From my understanding of this, so it has to go ahead. Yeah. Um, so for the the coalition to turn around and say, no, we're not having Marine Park um, was is a substantial thing for them to say and do to block that because there's been a lot of money invested in this. Um, I went to the, the, the talks um, a couple of years before this actually came out and I was horrified by the spatial. There was a, I think, it, and don't quote me on the number, but I think it was the fourth one that was the spatial area. And that was the one that was going to kill the Spiros because, as you know, we're limited with depth. So in Sydney, 
you don't need to dive more than 12 metres, 14 yeah. metres to, sh to shoot all your fish. 99% of the kingfish and jewies I've, I've shot from you know, seal rocks down to Shell Harbour basically are in the first eight metres of water. Um, yeah, right. And it's just... And it's all good and well for someone to say we only want 3% mm. of the coastline, but that 3% impacts on us enormously It because it's the prime area for the swimmers, for the scuba divers. Um, yeah. And it, 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 it accounts for 50%. And in the central coast region of New South Wales, where this, the northern part of the Hawkesbury um, Marine Park, proposed marine park, I think the boys worked out it was um, close to 80% of their spearfishing spots, but don't quite yeah. on the exact number, but it was extremely high. And you see, they take the prime ground shrek, like the spots for beginners, where the beginners learn and where the kids learn. They take those spots too. So where is our future? Where can we teach the next generation? Where yeah. can we educate them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to play devil's advocate for a second, like, so, I mean, a lot of us have grown up walking through national parks and, you know, like if you've had a chance to go to Goat Island Marine Reserve in New Zealand or maybe even Flinders or Henderson's Reef off Brisbane here, like, you know, marine parks def definitely are a, are a really special sort of thing. Um, so, you know, that, that you've said they wanted to shut down 3%, um, but it was, you know, maybe 50 to 80% of the prime sort of spearfishing or recreational fishing sites. Um, but should there be some marine parks? Um, where, where, do you, where, where do you draw a distinction here? When are they good and when are they not kind of thing? When there's true science that validates it, Shrek is my answer to you. And I learned where well, there's a little place called Cabbage Tree Bay <coughs> in Sydney, yeah. uh, just at the back of Manly Beach there. And that was always a very fishy little spot and an awesome place um, in the lee of a southerly that you could sneak your boat in behind or, you know, kids could jump in with a hand spear and terrorise bathers. But um, that spot now is just resplendent. Yeah. Um, it doesn't get line fished or speared and it's awesome. And people talk about how awesome it is. Well, I used to see all of those species there when we fished in a competition. Mm. So, but there's more of them there now, that's for sure. But do I see them on the next headland or, or around the corner? No, not really. So, um, so the spillover effect they talk about, mm. they talk about in mass, it's got to be huge areas. But we're also not a third world country. We're not ravaged by poachers. We've got very good fisheries management rules in place. Mm. Mate, our fishery is healthy. Do we mm. need the marine park? I look at fish soup uh, in the solitary islands. Um, so um, just off north, north um, is it Northwest Rock? It's just the one north of North Solitary Island. I've just, uh, yep. I know it as fish soup. And okay. look, as a kid going there, um, it was spectacular. It was always a fantastic spot. Huge mangrove jacks, jewies, mackerel. You know, it had the black cod in it, had everything with it. And this Hitler's bombie is just, you know, a 150, 200 metre swim away from it to get on yep. the edges there. Um, the gutter there is fantastic for Spanish. It's great. But yep. you could go there on a day when you could fish it, this is. And I was a yeah. young bloke then. And it would be barren and devoid of any fish life. Yeah, right. Um, and then you go there another time and the fish are on. Now, I go there a lot when I go to 
Gutterkoffs, because I take blokes there who are new, new to the club, and I say, jump in here, grab your camera, this is where you're going to film fish. And this is where you're going to learn about dewy behaviour, and this is going to understand about snapper. And they go, what? And they get in there, and some days they think I'm a raving idiot because we don't see any of that, but other days their eyes are boggling out of their head. I said, yeah, this spot is like this. I said, it can be awesome one day, terrible the next 10. I said, yeah. it just happened upon it on a good day. So although it's a marine a sanctuary, it doesn't mean it's always got great fish on it, but where do those fish go? So mm. they've got to be around somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, I, mate, look, I, I want to, I like marine parks. I, I don't mind marine parks, but just validate them and, and tell us why. You know, you're going to do it for access for a swimmer to be in, so spear fishermen or fish hooks aren't going to get in their feet or to allow more scuba diving access. Mm. That's not good enough for me when there's pollution. That is the biggest yeah. issue to me. Yeah. Um, that kills more fish than anything that we do. Partic particularly in your part of the world, the fishery seems to be quite well managed. I mean, there's very few vulnerable species, I think, um, that are affected by spearfishing or even recreational fishing in a wider sense. Oh, mate, the Jewish, the Mulloway are in big trouble. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. In general, it seems to be quite well managed, but for the species that are vulnerable or, or, or whatever, like this is where management practices can help to correct that imbalance rather than just a blanket lockout, which can actually further um, impair, I think, some of the sort of the unique um, balance that you've got in some of those places. So, yeah, but go on, uh, Mullo Mulloway. True. The, the, oh, mate, I was just going to say, sometimes the, the New South Wales fisheries, if I'm going to critique them, is that they take too long to make a decision at times. Yeah. And the Jewfish is a classic example of that. In 2003, we were given permission to go and count grain or shark and they were going to take it seriously for us. This is when they were saying there were fewer than 300. I took a boatload of guys out. We went to Crowdy Head. We counted 253. We each worked a grid. We said, this is the grid you work, you work, you work. Come back in a couple of hours. And one of the boys filmed 80 in a gutter, right? <laughs> so we counted 253 when they were saying there were fewer than 300 on the east coast of Australia. Yeah, right. Don't work that out, right? <laughs> and I yep. sold it to the boys. I didn't tell them we were counting grain or shite, mind you. I said, we're going up to shoot Jewies, right? And I said, while we're here, we're going to count grey nurse in this, in, on this reef because I'd heard there's a few there. All right, no worries. You know how many Jewies we speared that weekend? I think we got about four and we were there for two days and we only counted grey nurse for a couple of hours. Jeepers. So, and as we said in our stat decks, worry about the Jewies, not the grey nurse. Um, and, mate, they're just, they need looking after. So uh, I endorse any proper science that, that or research on those and bag limits, et cetera, on those fish. They need it. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for a more responsive fisheries management process as well. Like some faster turnaround, particularly with vulnerable species, would be great. Like um, in Queensland here, we've recently seen a whole raft of changes that are coming out. They've closed the snapper fishery for a couple of months of the year, which is really good to see. But the wheels of bureaucracy seem to turn very slowly. I, I think the marine scientists and the people that are doing the legitimate work on the floor must be frustrated as well that some of the changes can't come about quicker in terms of you know, managing species bag limits and size limits and so on. Um, with Jewfish, with why are they so vulnerable? Um, obviously, they, they go to the same places. They congregate in the same areas. Is that, is that part of the why they're so vulnerable? 
I can't really tell you. Mm. Um, just mm. the catch rates are down on them. There's a huge issue, and I'm not going to bag commercial fishermen at all here because I, I fully believe everyone's got a right to fish mm. and earn money from catching fish for their family. Um, it's not a problem with that because that's well controlled as well. Mm. But um, th there was a big issue in regards to some commercial fishermen wanting a smaller size yeah. the dewfish. But you've got to have a size where they can at least throw one round of eggs, right? Oh, they exactly. 100%. Is how I think. And that's, that's not quite happening. They've changed the nets and everything, so more will come out. But you still see small Jewish sold in the markets, and that's just the bycatch that's left. So they're allowed to sell so many on bycatch. Mate, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just a fishery that needs to be better researched. And rather than twiddle thumbs, something should have come in years ago and just said, yeah. and it has now. But I hope it's not too little too late. I'm sure everything marine that I've seen that's had restrictions put on them, like the crayfish, they're in abundance. The cray season in, in Sydney gets better every year. Um, they just keep coming back more and more with, with their awesome fisheries management. So, um, the only thing they're doing there is not letting us have more of them recreationally. They keep allowing yeah. the TAC for the pros to go up, but they're not giving the recreationals more. New Zealand's recently saw a whole lot of... Um uh, changes with regards to the management of their sort of power and crayfish fisheries as well, and for good reason, particularly in some zones around New Zealand. Um, and I guess, like, you know, when a species is better understood and their movements, their migrations, their breeding cycle are understood, that that's when they can be kind of managed properly. Some species seem to be managed quite well and some quite poorly. Um, with the blue groper fishery down there, um, like, we joke around, like, Blue groper up here are not protected in Queensland. You go south of the border and they're in almost like plague proportions. That's, that, that seems to be where, you know, because they are completely protected from spearfishing down there. Um, that seems to, to be kind of erroneous. Like it would almost be beneficial to let sparrows take, say, you know, one each or something, you know, for a little while. Is that, is, what, what do you think of that? <laughs> You're trying to get me into trouble on this podcast today. <laughs> I'm already well, in trouble over well, like my view on Jewies, I'm sure. I like to mate, look, they, Yeah, no, no, mate, the, it was the association, the Spiros, the USFA back in the day, like with the grey nurse shark, warned the government about the blue groper because we're rolling them over and the spear guns built at the time, all those shoulder guns, like the carbines, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? So they're like a rifle. Yep. And they had a big, you know, shark barb on the end of it to push off sharks and all that type of thing and you know big guns they built them to shoot gropers with mm, right? right the blue groper and they worked that out you can never eradicate a blue groper though in my opinion because they're a deep fish and we can't dive down to get them but we started to knock them around a little bit and there was no bag limits either or with them recreational for fishermen and if you go down the rocks and you see an old bloke there with a big rod and an alvey and a red crab, you can guarantee he's going to get his bag limit. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's down there the next day and he'll get his bag limit again of two good blues. They, they will do it. There's, there's no doubt. They're a sucker for a red crab and an old bloke can wait all day. They can go and hold itself up for half an hour. He doesn't care. He's going nowhere. He's on the pension. I'm having a ball. <laughs> he's, he's doing what he's dreamed about for 30 years, go yeah. fishing every day. So, And that can be done, right? But then there's the ethical side of it. And most of us now are all responsible and ethical. So we know that. And yes, groper are in plague proportions. Um, some days where I take my students, you know, 
diving the practical on day two at Long Bay at Malabar, 80% of the fish you see in the morning are just a groper, juvenile to big. They're everywhere. Um, and you've got to wonder the impact that has on other fish because they're quite an aggressive fish. Yeah. So, I, was, I was just going to say anecdotally, like I hear they spook, you know, um, other species off and they'll patrol an area of reef and they – you know, you won't see some species because they're there in plague proportions. That we we joke around and call them the seeing eye dogs of the reef. Is, have you got some sort of similar language down there? No, mate, they're just pests. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, no, we've got a, we haven't really got a name from down here. But I, there's myself and a few other blokes. We we have a joke about it when, and half serious that we think um, if you read all the old fishing papers that used to come out weekly in Sydney, they used to catch a lot of snapper off the rocks in Sydney. Yeah. back in the day and they don't do that now um, and whether they've lost that technique and that knowledge of how to catch them but we think it's the groper that has spooked all the snapper out of the shallow shallow waters off the rocks they're just not caught as much and the snapper are definitely there they're there they're still there but um, not in the shallows so it's it's interesting that I, I really think they're they're an, they're aggressive fish yeah, I, I think it's an example of a strong fishery that could possibly be opened up um, you know it doesn't have to – you don't have to throw the gates wide open, but perhaps, you know, they have a, a one blue groper per boat for Spiros or something like that, you know, where um, mate, you can – Well, you can, mate, if, if, they, if they want more money, if they went around and sold a tag for 50 bucks to shoot a big blue, I'd buy, I'd, I'd buy a tag for 50 bucks and roll a blue and I've got my tag and I can tag the fish with it. I'd do that. I've lived up here and I – I've rolled a couple, so I wouldn't pay fifty bucks. <laughs> but I see, mate. Yeah, but I see your point. But in Queensland, they move much quicker than what they do in uh, Sydney, for example. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah. Uh, the, the blues at Morton swim pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally, <laughs> they hang around. Yeah. Yeah, I was going um, to say, conversely, you know, I've, I've chucked out one fish that I think could be opened up to the fishery a little bit. I think up here, and this is just purely so that people send me some hate mail, but we've got the uh, the uh, black spot tuskfish. I think um, you, 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 talk, yeah. you talked about jewfish before being allowed to at least go through one full breeding cycle and chuck out eggs. I think um, the, the black spot tuskfish should be um, suitably managed like that up here as well. I think maybe we need to raise the minimum size limit. Um, I, that's probably not going to be a popular view, but um, that's one that I would put forward voluntarily because... Um, mate, I, mate I, anything, get, it, so long as there's science behind it, Shrek. You know, it's yeah, not yeah. anecdotal because a green will laugh at you if you use anecdotal. Mm, um, mm. They're quite happy to use it emotionally to blackmail people who are ignorant in regards fish and spear fishing and fishing. Yeah. They'll do it. But then in a in a closed room with officials, fisheries and government, the Green will use that emotional anecdotal stuff and bias science. And I'll might I'll be quite truthful with you here. That goes on. Yeah. That yeah. happened at Cabbage Tree Bay. Yeah. Um yeah. but when we use anecdotal as a fisherman, they laugh at us. Yeah. But you had um I think he was a doctor, Richard Pillins. He was on yeah, yep, a while yep. ago. I remember CSIRO, hearing him. Yep. He talked about, yeah, he talked about the black spots and just you only get the big ones in the deeper water now. Yeah, um, he's, he's influenced me they're, heavily they're with, with those views, yep. Yeah, mate, I'd go along with that. Mate, it's just the same as, you know, some spots you go to are plagued with parrotfish up your way. Mm. And then when the Spiros get onto it, they're, they're not as plagued. They move on. They don't like their attention. Similar yeah. to the grey nurse shark down here in Sydney, mate. Once the scuba divers find them, start taking photos of them, they disappear. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yes, people are harassing you every day of the week on your front door, you go. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Is your major issue spearfishing all about equalising? i got good news for you. We've been pumping Ted Hardy's immersion freediving equalising classes for a while now for free on the No Spirit Podcast because we love it that much. It's effective. Now, his roadmap to friends or class is absolutely excellent. It's a full-on video course that will help you to master the technique of frenzel because you're probably doing Valsalva. Now, Ted's sweetened it up a little bit more. He's got a 15% discount code. Go to noobspero.com forward slash Ted, get full access to the Roadmap to Frenzel Equalizing class, and if you don't learn how to Frenzel within 30 days, he'll give you a full money back refund. Now, everyone wants to get beyond that 15 to 40 foot mark, that 5 to 10 meter mark, and you don't want to be going upright to have to equalize. You need to learn the Frenzel Equalizing technique, and the best way to do that is spend a little bit of time doing Ted Hardy's course. Come to noobspiro.com forward slash Ted, get a 15% discount. Enjoy. Guys, head over to vimeo.com. Check out the How to Spearfish video series by Luke Potts. There's nearly four hours of video training there, and they're divided into five different videos so far to help you take on the areas of difficulty that you might have. Now, there's a beginner's guide to spearfishing gear. There's a guide to how to increase your breath hold for spearfishing. There's techniques for spearfishing yellowtail kingfish, which also doubles as a guide to hunting pelagic fish. There's a, a guide techniques for spearfishing snapper, which is a really good, um, helpful guide for approaching canny reef fish, which is a tough one. And finally, a guide to spearfishing around sharks. If you want to buy any of these videos, use the code NoobSpero and save a bit of cash. Check it out. Vimeo on demand, how to spearfish. I read a paper by some um, Italian scientists who, um, you know, obviously they're fishing the med, which is overfished already, and they, they did a, an experiment to talk about um, basically to identify where the fish slowly adapt, adapted to being um, predated upon by spearfishermen, and they did. They, they ran consecutive experiments um, over, you know, different groups of fish, uh, local populations of fish, to see uh, what happened over prolonged um, exposure to spearfishermen and spearfisherwomen, and, um, and the, the fish became smarter and smarter. So, I mean, nature has a means to protect itself as well. And, um, it, yeah, it's like sometimes we have to be wary of what our actions are doing and it's great to have the knowledge and the science to back it up but um it'd be great to play more of a part in managing the fishery and being sort of you know more responsible in terms of playing playing a part in that in that response i think yeah i agree and i like the italian research and i can think of the off the mousy the pinnacles there that's off uh, north solitary up that way again at the solitaries there the big island mm. there's two pinnacles there we used to shoot wahoo off there back in the day they still do. But there was a big um, gold spot pigfish there. He's a massive boy and he had barnacles on him. He's that big and that old. Oh, holy and moly. I reckon I would see him twice a year for years and years. And do you think, and mate, state record fish. Yeah. And I love a record if I know, if I think I can get one, I'll shoot it. Yeah. Um, do you think I could get anywhere near him? Yeah. No way. And I saw him for yeah. years. Because there's also science out there that say fish don't have a memory. And they'll mm. forget. But um, I laughed at that because uh, I think a fish like that, a solid, and you know it's the same fish because he's he's identical how he looks and his marking. Yeah, so, uh, they, yeah. They, they talk about 
programmed like behavioural response. But yeah, there's definitely something to cunning. I mean, you see it in in shark behaviour. You know, the, the young uh, or juvenile ones seem to be much dumber and more aggressive sometimes with spearfishing, whereas the older ones and the larger ones are often less aggressive and less kind of in your face because. They, they've gotten big because they've been wary of the right things, I think. Um, and, and, you know, fish, fish, fish adapt to their environment. Those big sharks, mate, they're as smart as dogs, smarter than dogs. They're, um, yeah, the big tigers and whites and everything. I think they're very, very clever animal. Uh, hey, uh, Yeah, definitely, I agree. Just, just cl- sort of um, closing out a marine parks chat, unless you had some more stuff to chat about, I was going to ask you, have you seen the Drawing the Line doc- documentary? Uh, it was made a few years ago now. I only watched it a few days ago, but it was all about the marine parks issue. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Mm, bloody good watch. So it's on YouTube for free, Drawing the Line it's called. But um, that, I think that was done by recreational fishermen a number of years ago. And it, it's funny, it's, it, it covered a lot of the issues that came up during the, the Hawkesbury um, saga. So, yeah, yeah. moving on, unless you had some more marine park stuff. Well, mate, no, all I'm going to say is that um, we used our feet, we marched, we had thousands there. I think there were over 5,000 in the media, I reckon, that were there. Some said 8,000. We had, and it was Spiros that led the way with the protests as well, and yeah, I, awesome. I'm very proud of that. Simon Horvath, yeah. um, Alex Hamo, Paul Marsh, just to name a few of those boys in the Central Coast Sea Lions Club. So it's a, a spearfishing club. The USFA led the way with that. Um, they got very politically motivated. They lobbied very hard, and... They, and Simon Horvath has revealed some amazing errors of this government and what goes on behind the scenes, it's disgusting and there's still more to be revealed. So, uh, mate, Spiros, hold your heads high. Um, I think the government have worked out that we're only small in number but we're very, very passionate about what we do and we'll fight for our right. And that's why, mate, the USFA was formed in 1948 because they were going to lock us out then in '48. The young blokes today, they wouldn't even know what spearfishing is in this country apart from the association and the spearfishing clubs. It's that yeah. it's, it's that simple. And yeah. I'll happy to have a beer with anyone and argue with them over that. It wouldn't yeah. be here today unless for the associations. Nah, it's awesome. I mean, there are some countries where spearfishing has been completely banned. So um, definitely big ups to the club. Um, USFA, AUF, um, it's, a, it's, it's great to be part of a club and be part of that. Um, proactive sort of political response. We need these groups um, taking actions on our behalfs. And uh, I'm friends with Simon on um, Simon Horvath on on Facebook. He he's definitely very vocal and very active. And uh, hats off to the work that he put in for free. Um, there's a few of those guys. So awesome stuff. Hey, let's move on to um, Sydney. So I've never really covered with anyone in a podcast. Um, how to get into spearfishing in Sydney. I think we talked a lot about going straight into clubs and obviously that's, you know, that's the that's a really effective route to get around a bunch of experienced guys, have access to mentors, second-hand equipment, um, you know, learning, you know, the conditions and, you know, it's, I think it's definitely the fastest way. But in terms of, like, species to target, places to first sort of head out, um, I'd love to get into some of your expertise with regards to that. Yeah, for sure. Happy to talk about that. Look, I'll be biased here in a way. Like, we don't have coral trout on our doorstep, but we shoot them now. They come down here. <laughs> <laughs> but, mate, I don't know many places in the world where you can, in the, the main harbour and the heads, you can catch great fish, kingfish, in your headlands. Um, it's a superb place 
um, for a diver. You don't have to dive deep, as I mentioned earlier. And I suppose, mate, we, we have pretty good weather. Where will I start with this, Shrek? You've got me a good one. Um, if you're new, head into Adreno spearfishing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Get a plug in there. The boys, mate, I tell you, the boys there are fantastic. Craig Sea Dog's there now. Uh, Sammy's moved back up to Brisbane. And Craig and the boys there are doing a great job. I go in there a lot. Um, just if, uh, and I'll take my young bloke in there. He's six now. And we go in there and have a look at the guns and wetsuits and everything. And the boys there are awesome. And there are so many new guys that are in and out of that shop. They get great advice um, and they get a whole heap of kit and away they go. So species to target um, in Sydney, obviously we've got the humble red Maui. That's always the, the first on, on every beginner's list, I suppose. I, sh- I shot my, f- I, I just, just, just a quick, quick confession, Simon. I shot my first red Maui about, seven or eight months ago down in the Tweed Head, so I've never bothered to shoot one before. I shot it and I cooked it that night. It was absolutely fantastic eating, way better than a normal Maui. Is that your experience? Mate, red Maui's are good. Mm. They're, they're a good fish to eat. They're great. And they're a good starter fish. They don't move around much. I think my advice with Sydney is don't chase fish. So, And that is when you see fish, don't swim after it. If you see fish, dive down. If, you, if it's not moving, you can shoot it but otherwise just wait it out. And really 10 seconds on the bottom and a red marwong will stop, perch, turn sideways, look at you, <laughs> and you can you can put a spear into it. And, mate, yeah, it's a beginner fish, and then and, and you move on from there. Yep. You know, we've got Ludric that are good eating. We've got rock blackfish, pigs, as we call them here, black drummer. They're, they're great eating fish. Uh, obviously, we've got brim. They're good. We get a lot of bonito for six to eight, nine months of the year. Okay. Um, goat, fairly regular. Goatfish. And look, we've, we've sorry, goaties. Yeah, we yeah. get goaties. Um, they're, they're pretty much all around, year round. Yep. Where I mentioned crayfish. We're having phenomenal crayfish again season. The crays have all just walked back in. Yeah, right. Um, they, were, they were thick the last month, but just this last weekend, so two, three days ago, they've um, they've all walked in from that last big storm and they're, they're on every headland. Everyone's catching them. And they're abundant, and that's great fisheries management right there. And kingfish, mate, we're just there's kiggies practically around twelve months of the year, and you're just always seeing someone snorting a good kingy. It's up on Facebook. Someone's got their first king, and they're stoked, and it's it's a good fish. So it's great. Um, and starting, mate, more or less Sydney. I call from Palm Beach up there at Baron Joey Head, um, yep. and all the way down to Cronulla. Basically, they're all national parks, its own entity, but um, or it's better if you have a boat there to cover that immense amount of uh, coastline. Yeah. But, um, you know, from Baron Joey's good, a rock hop at uh, South Palm Beach is fantastic. Um, I'm a big fan of Avalon. These are all northern beaches spots, Shrek. Yep, yep. Um, so these are headlands? They're all, they're all headlands. Well, look, mate, back in the day, I think, I think I've speared a Dewey on every headland in Sydney. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so – and, and – it, they've all see we're lucky here. So most of the headlands have reef. So straight away, there's rocks, boulders, and weed, and that will go for several meters. And then it will change just to nice, lovely big boulders with some weed. From say, oh, just don't criticize me here, but say from eight meters to fourteen meters, and then yep. you'll get a drop off, and then you'll start getting sand lines. 
um, sand gutters, big rocks, caves, boulders, all the way down to 23, 24 metres before it sort of gets onto sand. Um, some places that stops at 18 metres before it gets onto sand. But normally it's it's good reefy structure, just oh, mate, just about <laughs> on every headland in Sydney. And you know, so, someone will point something out and say, oh, this one, you're bullfed. And I'll go, yeah, that's right, okay, that's sandy. But, mate, we're, we're blessed. Um, yeah. And you can get in the water safely in quite a lot of locations. So, like, South Palm's a wonderful little spot for a beginner if you're on the northern beaches. Um, and you can get down there in the in the corner of um, Harbour. It's a good little spot too. Uh, Ferry Bow is good in a subtly to get out of the way. Before we fired up the interview, you showed me a big um, marine taxidermied morwong on your wall. Where did you shoot that? <laughs> <laughs> Sound like Paul Rosso, mate. He called it a Maui too. Um, mate, that was good. That um, that was a snapper. And that was eight kilo, so that was worth putting on the wall. That one, yeah, it's um, a beautiful, it's a beautiful snack. fish, it's a good fish. So I got that at Long Reef, okay, um, on a spot called the Wall. So Long Reef is the home of spearfishing uh, in Sydney, if not Australia, because that's where the association started in '48 at Long Reef at Collaroy. There, yeah, right. There's this shallow bommy that comes up to three or four meters. About, ah, oh, mate, on Collaroy Beach itself, it'd be eight hundred meters. Um, but actually off the headland is probably only 300 metres to the north of the point. Uh, okay. And they call it the wall and the scuba divers know it. It's got some grey nurse on it. Um, once again, it's hit and miss. It can, when it's on, it is sensational. And you can go there other days and there's not much there. But it's a, a really good place to dive. You've just got to be aware it is one spot in city that will have a bit of tide or movement, a bit of current. Yep. Especially around a, 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 moon, a moon, a moon change. So just be aware of that. But um, it's, a, it's a gun spot, so I got it there. It was actually, we had a competition in Sydney Harbour with the venue where we meet, and they called the comp off. And it was a big swell day. But as I said to the boys, I said, it's 70, 80 foot of visibility out there, boys. I said, I'm still going out, out spearfishing. <laughs> so it was a big rough day, and so it was breaking on the wall that day. And when I got in the water that day, there was rainbow runner everywhere, um, you know, kingies, and there was literally, you know, dozens of snappers scooting around on the bottom, and I've just gone, my goodness, look at this. And a mate of mine had just shot a brim or something like that. And I said, what are you doing shooting that for? Look what's underneath this. There was snapper everywhere. And he said, what will I do with this? I said, chop it up and use it for burly now, bring the snapper in. So he did, and then the snapper bolted because he dived down on them as soon as he chopped it up because I said, I'll let him dive on it. And I said, that's okay, don't panic. There's plenty of them, they'll come back. Well, just we didn't. I find if a snapper doesn't bolt and swim away, it will come back. Yep. If it's only just casually moved away. So you can burly urchins. And this is where I'll shoot a yellowtail or a pike, like just a bit of bait that's going to get eaten in the next two weeks anyway. Yep. And chop that up. Because um, I'm not really a burly user, but I will use a bit of burly on a snapper if I see one. And uh, anyway, a big snapper came in and my mate. I won't mention his name because he's threatened he'll kill me if I ever reveal who it is. <laughs> um, and he died. And I said, your fish, your fish, you get it. And so, because there was still a bit of burly drifting around and um, he dived down on this fish and I thought, oh, this is perfect. I'm watching this. And he shot and he missed. And as he was diving, I'm, I'm saying, why hasn't he got both rubbers loaded on his gun? Because I'm seeing one robber flopping around. Oh, no. And I'm thinking, geez, if ever you're going to have two rubbers on, you'd use this, to, you know, for that extra grunt. Anyway, stuffed it up. Five minutes later, another big red came in. It came in on my flasher. 
And I said, get this one, Dan. And he, he dived on it. He went down. I've just mentioned his name, then he'll kill me. And he's um, <laughs> dived <laughs> himself in. And he's, um, he's dived down on it and, and it spooked. And by then I've gone, oh, crikey, I'll swim over here. And I just laid, I dived, might have been 10, 12 metres. I laid down on this rock and just waited. And um, he spooked the fish when he approached it. And it swam underneath the boulder, so I've just drifted off the rock and just shot. I had a you know, two-rubber gun with a pranger on on the end, you know, a, a six, six-bar cluster head. Yeah, right, eh? And just smacked it on the top of the head and rolled it good night. Oh, and, yeah. Um, when I came up, he he was going, going, oh, mate, that's awesome. I said, yeah, thanks. And he had a big knife in his hand, and I thought he was going to kill me. And I said, <laughs> he just wanted to bleed the fish. I said, no, it's all right, I'll deal with it. We get in the boat, and I got in the boat, and the fish is awesome. And there was a guy who was boating for us that had never fished a comp before. Um, but I said, come out, boaty, and learn. And so he's, he, he was goggling at the fish. And um, I said to Dan, while I'm, you know, look, we're admiring the fish. I said, mate, before with the snapper, why didn't you load both rubbers on the gun? He goes, what do you mean? I said, you got a two-rubber gun. Why didn't you load both rubbers? He goes, I don't have a two-rubber <laughs> gun. And I've gone, you're kidding. So oh. he had a shot at like a fish as big as the one I got that was eight kilos with an unloaded gun. And he's just squeezed the trigger and the spear's fallen out. <laughs> oh, no. Mate, I still laugh about it. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, shout yeah. out. Well, shout mate, out. That's just. Shout out to Dan. That's butt fever, mate, isn't it? You know, so um, uh, fired up. It's just a sensational day. And then Mike Benici, who you may know, he's a gun line fisherman now, um, big sea devil boat advocate. He, um, he got a dewy further up the reef about Oh, 15, 16 kilos. So I've got a, a lovely memory of Mike and I holding um, a fish at the end of the day at the boat ramp. It's, it's a nice memory. So, yeah, Mate, yeah good day. So that's a cracker snapper anywhere you go. Um, jeepers, I, I really want to get over to New Zealand and shoot a big one myself um, at some stage. But um, it's one. F- yeah, I got one 10 and a half over there, just, just shy of 11 in New Zealand when I was there. Yeah, right. It's a good fish. That's a bloody good fish. How come you didn't get that yeah, one mounted good. as well? You'd have two, two, two of them on your wall then. Mate, well, I was there at the Nationals at Tairua oh, um, right. years ago and I, I fell into pairs there. I fell in love with pairs diving and I shot it on a day before the comp. Like, oh. And we're just a, a scout day. Oh, that was fine. And I remember I dived on a fish earlier and I thought it was a dewy I was diving on. I'm going, geez, I'm going to be the first bloke in New Zealand to spear a mulloway. And I've gone, hang on, that's not a mullet, that's a big snapper. And oh, I swam right. away. And then I, I swam up to my pairs partner, Frogger, Lenny Goldsmith, and he was with Shane Fitzmorris, who's a yep. three-time New Zealand champion with um, Pat's Shane mates. and um, Pat. Um, Pat Swanson. Yeah, Pat Swanson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely guy. And Woolley's become a lifelong mate of mine since I met him at that comp. Yeah, righto. And uh, I told them about what I'd just done. I said, I've just spooked this big Jewy. And I, but it was a snapper and I just totally stuffed it. It would have been 30 pound. It was massive because I used to shoot a few Jewies back then. So I knew the size. And Shane went, mate, go back there and ground bait and it may come back. And I said, all right. So I've left them to it. I was watching Shane dive then. Blew my mind. I swam away from that going, we're not going to beat this guy. It was phenomenal um, what he was doing filming. So as I, I just snooped then on the way back to the spot to, to set up a, an urchin sort of bait, um, and I came over this rock and looked over the shadow and a couple of rays had moved and I just saw this sort of out of the corner of my eye, this flick. And so I've moved across back over and down 
there's a big and big red there. And he's just like, mate, praying a double rubber again, just smack, lights out, was great. And he was huge. Um, so I think he was 20, 24 and a half pound or something. He was a big fish. So yeah, I was right. happy with that. And the That's Kiwis, mate, I, I put it on the barbie and we all ate it. So everyone it was fantastic. So everyone in the caravan park, we all got a feed out of it. It was great. Hey Noobers, it's uh, Jeremy here from Spearing Magazine with an uh, with an update for you guys. Shrek and Turbo have been doing such a great job with uh, telling guys about Spearing Magazine that we've actually sold out of most of our back issues and catalogs. But uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, we have an international subscription available just for you guys. Yeah, from Spearing Magazine. I'm Jeremy Campbell. Thank you, guys. Go to SpearingMagazine.com. Check out the uh, international subscription. Aw, yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Patreon. It's a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators like the Noob Spiro to get paid. Basically, you support us per episode at any level that you choose. Head over to Patreon.com forward slash Noob Spiro. Today's episode powered by patron listeners just like you. One thing I love chatting up with you about, Simon, is uh, your enthusiasm, your passion for sparing still comes through loud and strong even after all these years. So it's bloody awesome hearing your fish stories, mate. I love it, mate. Hey, um, I wanted to let, let listeners engage and find out maybe about some of the courses you run down there in Sydney. Can you fill us in on some details about how to find, guys can find out a bit more about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I go through uh, a, a shop called Frog Dive. Uh, yeah, they're a scuba shop, but they sell spear fishing gear. Um, they're also doing free diving courses there now too. They've got a, a good instructor there, James, and Andrew Harvey and myself do the spear fishing courses out of there. Uh, we do them at least once a month. Um, it's on their website there, the Frog Dive website. Oh, perfect. Um, under courses, you'll see spear fishing. Yeah, so we're easy to find. Or I'm on Facebook. Um, I do a lot of one-on-one courses now I was mentioning to you. So um, just people that want to tweak something or just get something right, they think they're lacking. Um, yep. I do a lot of father and son courses, especially during the summer. Geez, I was flooded with those the last couple of seasons. It's been great. So yeah. they're, um, they're great. I, I really enjoy those too, seeing the dads and, and the young blokes getting into it and just going through just some basics and some safety and just using a gun properly and things like that. Yeah, as well as just... That key word I love, relax, just um, trying to teach people how to relax a little bit better in the water. Well, there's an absolute bloody ton to learn when you start sparing and you you don't even realise how much you've learned, you know, after a few years of doing it. Um, you turn around and someone asks you some questions and you start explaining stuff and you realise, holy shit, there really is a lot to doing what we do, you know. So um, if guys want to find out a bit more about that, they can go to today's show notes at noobspero.com forward slash Trip two, T R I P P E two, and I'll have um, your Facebook linked up, and I'll have the Frog Dive courses linked up. Guys can reach out to you and chat there, Simon. But mate, absolute bloody 
awesome chat with you again. Um, I wish I could do this more often. I'm just flat out with um, work and life and everything else. But um, it's good to catch up with uh, you know with guys like you that have you know done some early episodes with us and just sort of you know recatch up and ch- just shoot shoot the breeze. It's bloody great. So awesome to have you have you with me today. Shrek, mate. It's when I did this one with you, what number one all those years ago. Who would have thought you're on? the number you're on now. It's just fantastic. And it says so much about how you guys have um, done so much for the sport. It's it's fantastic. And I enjoy listening to every episode you guys put out. It's yeah. great. So it's it's a credit to you, mate, what you guys are doing for the sport too. You're, well, you're great. Thank well, you. Well, thank you. Um, we've definitely been sport. We've had some bloody good yarns over the year. Uh, years. I, I wonder if Turbo's ever coming back, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how he goes. But um, yeah, all good, Simon. All right, man. Well, well, mate, I was going to ask if he's still sitting under a tree with his seasickness, <laughs> but um, I hope he's getting better. I think he's been getting out sparing a little bit lately. I haven't caught up with the fella for a little while, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens. So, uh, all good, Simon. All right. Cheers, man. Thanks, Shrek. Bye. Guys, hope you enjoyed today's interview with Simon. Um, some controversial opinions shared. Uh, if you have any, <laughs> if you have any criticism, um, I'm more than happy to hear about it. Shrek at nobespiro.com. Uh, you know, we, we've all got opinions about these things, and it's great if um, people can fill in some of the gaps in information because we don't have all the information. Um, but you know the opinions I express are, are my own, and uh, and I'll and I'll and I'll I'll. I'll reply to you if you have any complaints but uh, Shrek at Nobespero.com uh, any feedback at all about this episode would be great um, the other thing was Patreon Our, we've got Patreon has got $650 in there that's going to pay for this Melbourne trip coming up in November uh, at this stage I am flying solo down there to catch up with the boys from Club Spearfish and hopefully do an in-store interview at Adreno down there and love to go spearing with you if you're down in that neck of the woods I'm going to be catching up with Sven and Eckhart look that's where, that's where we're going. That's what we're doing. As usual, your reviews are welcome. Thanks for listening to today's New Spirit Podcast. I'm out. Now, I don't know about you, but I love new gear. And spearfishing.com.au have got a huge range. Mad flat shipping rate, especially in Australia. And if you use the code Noob Spiro, you not only support us but you get $20 off every purchase over $200. That's right, pump in the code NoobSparrow at checkout, N-O-O-B-S-P-E-A-R-O at spearfishing.com.au and you will save 20 bucks on every purchase over $200. No-brainer. Thanks, Adreno.